Welcome to the Community Broadband Bits Podcast, Episode 10. I'm Christopher Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and the editor of MuniNetworks.org. Today, we're talking with Vince Jordan, Telecom Manager at Longmont Power and Communications in Colorado. Longmont has gone head-to-head with Comcast twice in city referenda. Having succeeded in their second effort, the city is now expanding its fiber optic ring to connect businesses and residents. This is a community-driven process that is taking public input. At present, the network will not issue any debt to pay for their expansion. Learn how in this interview starting now. Thank you, Vincent Jordan, for joining us. Uh, you're the telecom manager for the city of Longmont. Can you tell us a little bit about Longmont? Sure. Um, so Longmont is a, a town that's just um, uh, about 28 miles north of Denver. Um, we're right on the front range, so I'm looking at the uh, Rocky Mountains right now, about 20 minutes away. Um, the uh, town is about 29 uh, square miles. Um, we have 36,000 sites that uh, I work for Longmont Power and Communications, and so we have 36,000 sites that we provide power to. That's a mixture of homes and businesses. Um, uh, populations around 85,000. Terrific. And now, Longmont for a long time has had a fiber ring to help with its power distribution, right? Can you tell me a little bit about the history of the fiber? You bet. Um, in uh, 1990. Uh, 1999, um, Platte River Power Authority um, funded the building of a fiber optic network to support the uh, substations here in Longmont that uh, Longmont Power Communications uh, utilizes to provide power to the community. As that fiber um, was being put in place, the uh, then mayor, uh, Leona Stacker, and a number of other individuals involved with that project said, well, we should put more in because who knows what we might want to do with it. We might want to provide you know, connectivity to the businesses and the residents sometime in the future. So they really overbuilt it to the tune of, you know, there's about 4,300 miles of fiber optic cable laid um, in Longmont that, that's comprised in an 18-mile loop and then 55 miles of cable plant. So those are all the laterals coming off of the, uh, all the loop. So even back then, they were thinking about a lot of extra capacity and what they might um, do with it. Um, so, that, yeah, that was in the late 90s, early 2000 is when that was um, uh, completed. Great. And that's that's the sort of situation where the cost of, of overbuilding it, as you said, really doesn't impact the final cost of the project, right? No, it didn't. It, you know, it was a question of, are you going to put in, you know, 24 fibers, 48 fibers, 144, and the, the you know, the cost was, was, you know, negligible. The increments were negligible to put more in, and so they did, a, you know, 144, um, 12 buffer tubes worth of fiber, which um, Platte River Power Authority and, and LPC only used one, and so that left us with a good deal of extra capacity. Right. So, so you have a extra capacity, and then in 2000. Five, you suddenly has have a law that's telling you you can't use that extra capacity. Maybe you can walk us through that. Yeah. So yeah, in 2005, the incumbent service providers in Colorado, mainly Quest, CenturyLink, that was before they combined. Um, Comcast uh, lobbied the state to put a, um, you know, what, what I consider to be an absolutely ridiculous law in place that barred municipalities from providing broadband services directly or with a partner to businesses or residents in their community. 
And so we had a right that that existed that we had prior to 2005 taken away from us. We already had an asset in place. We were already connecting uh, the local hospital, city services, county services onto the uh, fiber network. And that law basically shut down our ability to utilize an asset that, that we were already utilizing, we already had in place. Okay, so you have a you have a barrier now, and um, fortunately, it wasn't quite as strong as what we see in uh, Nebraska or Texas. Um, there's a a way for you to restore your authority, right? So uh, you decide this, the community decides to have a referendum, right? Yes, there. So there was a provision. Um, the the League of Municipalities, Colorado uh, League of Municipalities, had them put a provision in the law that a local municipality could have a referendum and a ballot issue and could overturn that law by uh, 51% of the vote. And so in 2009. Um, we, and I was a private citizen at the time here in, in Longmont, but was working with uh, a number of the um, uh, city managers, and we had a discussion and decided we would go ahead and, and try and uh, get this thing overturned. And so we did put a referendum up and, and put a ballot issue in place to have the community vote um, to give us back our right to utilize the asset. Right, and so how did that go? <laughs> Well, we um, this is that, you know if I could actually just say this is where I learned about Longmont at this point. I remember uh-huh. learning about this in 2009. Yeah, uh, we severely underestimated um, what the incumbents would do to keep us from having a successful uh, ballot issue. They spent. Uh, over $245,000 a day was primarily Comcast, spent over $245,000 um, fighting that ballot issue with radio ads, television ads, newspaper ads, filling our mailboxes with uh, junk, um, you know, signs everywhere, people going door to door, scaring people off basically and, and convincing them that the city was going to raise their taxes and spend all their money and this was going to be a terrible mess. Right. They actually um, said that you were going to fire firemen, I believe, right? Public yes, safety and police departments. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. That was part of their campaign. I mean, it was an amazing thing. We We were not ready for it. Obviously, and 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 by law, once the issue was on uh, the ballot and the referendum was in place, the city could not speak out against um, the things that uh, Comcast was saying. So myself, as a private citizen, I went to every debate and I went to homeowners associations and everybody I could possibly talk to and try and explain what was really going on. But it was overwhelming. I mean, in, in Longmont's you know, over 100-year history, it was the most money ever spent on a single election or a single um, issue. It was it was amazing. So we lost by by 12 percent. We just got run over by a steamroller, basically. Right. Well, it's it's incredibly hard to to go up against that. But uh, nonetheless, two years later, you decided to try again. Yeah, so this is one of the things that I share with the you know the municipalities in Colorado that I'm speaking with today is we've discovered after 2009 that we had to educate our community on what we already had, what the value of what we had was, what the city could do with it, what it would mean for economic development, education, you know, lifestyle, and um, luckily. 
at that time, uh, the whole Google Fiber thing was starting off, and it had a lot of visibility. Longmont actually ran two campaigns to get on Google's radar map, and in fact, we were one of the finalists for Google Fiber. I think SB 152 scared them off, which would scare anybody off. And that was the 2005 law, right? Yeah, the 2005 right. law. That's correct. And so, but it was great for us because we did a lot of things that helped us educate our community about the value of fiber optic. And Google was helping us too with just you know the whole national presence and the whole national event that you know it turned out to be. Um, that helped us a great deal. And so when I talk to municipalities today, I tell them you've got to spend a year educating your community about what this means. And, and one of the things that we did, um, we did a, um, a video conference. We went to the schools and said, make a three-minute video about why broadband services and the fiber network that Longmont has is valuable to this community. We had kindergartners standing up there talking about fiber optics. It was awesome. It was, it was just great. Um, and that helped a lot uh, to get the word out to the community. So, yeah, in 2011, um, we went forward again. Right, and this time um, Comcast again broke the record, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, they broke their own record. They spent over $400,000 this time. I, wow, that was the final tally. I, I thought it was three. That's incredible. Yeah. It, it was amazing, and, and I got to tell you, Chris. I mean, I'm, you know, the the night of the election, I'm sitting there, and I know we've done the best job possible, and we've talked to people, and, and we even had a another local community group put up a website, and and was really out there trying to make it happen. But this thing, the the, the onslaught of misinformation that they were able to throw at this community with 400 grand that night of the the vote man I'm just sitting there shaking my head going how the heck do you possibly beat something like this I mean I did not believe that we were going to win it mm -hmm. um, but we did 21% yes. well it was it was tremendous and I think um I think a part of that one of the the best things I saw was someone in favor of publicizing all the different ways in which Comcast was spending this money and much of it wasn't even benefiting Longmont they were hiring these PR people out of Denver out of uh, Denver just in California yeah yeah there's just no local support um for the Comcast position and the fact yeah. that that you were able to expose that I think was tremendous yeah it was it, you know and 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 it was really interesting too one of our um, longtime editors here for the newspaper Times Call uh, wrote an article and he said he, in, in his entire history, he had never seen an issue as completely bipartisan as this one was. And, and I can validate that because I spoke to the Democratic groups and I spoke to Republican groups and I spoke to the Tea Party and the Independents and you know anybody else that would listen. And every single one of them came out in support of what we were doing. It was, it was really an amazing uh, community effort that it, that it became. So let me ask you this. How do you take a message into the Tea Party group uh, without fear of being run out of town for encouraging socialism? <laughs> right. Yeah, big government and, and and all of that sort of thing. Right. You know the way the way we positioned it. So I'll tell you how I positioned it. And it worked great with them. Give us back our rights. The the state government took away rights that we had had up until 2005, and all we were doing was going and re getting back the rights we originally had, and that resonated with them. 
Right. That makes a lot of sense. That's ultimately our focus as well. We don't ever want to force a community to build a network if they're not interested no. in it. We want the decision to be made locally. Absolutely. You know, and, and for some communities, it'll make sense. And for other communities, it won't make sense. It mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for Longmont because, you know, the power company's been here for 100 years delivering power. And it's the same company that's doing the broadband services. And we're utilizing resources that we utilize for power. Um, you know, so it makes a lot of sense for Longmont. Other communities, it won't. And I, I actually spoke with uh, some folks in the state government uh, last week, uh, Senator Bennett's office, Senator Udall's office, and I said, you know, this isn't about the federal government mandating that the states do anything. It's about the federal government or state government saying you are free to make the decision, do what's right for your community. Right. That's exactly it. Let's let's turn back to that first referendum, if we can, with the benefit of hindsight. And let me ask you, you said you need to spend a year educating the public on, on these issues, and I think that's, that's absolutely correct. Uh, my question is, how do you do that without the controversy of uh, the referendum? Um, could yeah. you have spent that year if you hadn't lost the referendum? Already. Yeah, if if we hadn't lost it and the Google Fiber thing wasn't going on, it would have been much more challenging. But I, you know, in working with the communities I'm talking to today, I'm I'm telling them, you know, the way the way I see doing this, I mean, it, it, it's really about there's there's two elements of this that you could really focus on, and then target um, educating the community, and that's economic development and education. And if you focus on those two things, it's real easy to go into the schools and do presentations there and explain to people, you know, the difference between the haves and the haves-nots in terms of broadband, in terms of access to higher-level education, online courses, HD content, that sort of thing. On the economic development side, it's it's real straightforward to talk to the business community. And there's plenty of venues to do that, Chamber of Commerce, uh, different, you know, um, uh, school district meetings, um, HOAs, reaching out to the HOAs and asking them to come and present to them about what the value, you know, the the, uh, additional value to their homes would be with this kind of connectivity available to them. So I I could really, you know, somebody wanted to, I could sit down and probably map out a systematic way and all the different organizations that you would go to to educate them. And I think the biggest proponent you want to get are the students because the students get it. I got to tell you, man, um, uh, you know, elementary, middle school, and high school, they understand the value of higher speed broadband because when they don't have it, their world doesn't work. They are the connected generation. They get the message, they get the value of this thing. And if you can get that to them, they can help get it to their parents. Yep, I absolutely believe it. I actually just had an issue here where. I was having trouble accessing um, some documents online, and at the same time, uh, my phone was giving me some problems, and I felt totally unable to communicate with the outside world. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's it's frightening now, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let me um, ask you then – You've you've gone through this. I, th- I think you call it a monster battle. Um, mm-hmm. And what do you do now? What what's the plan? 
Oh, we are we are um, uh, shaking and baking, as they say. Um, we are characterizing the fiber we've got right now, uh, see what kind of condition it's in because it's been there for uh, 10 years, and I'm happy to report that most of the uh, unused fiber is in great shape and air, uh, able to carry uh, the signals that we want to push across it. We are putting... Um, we've done a public information process here in town uh, over the last month to meet with the businesses and the residents to talk to them about what we're looking at in terms of rates and the types of services that we're looking to provide, um, taking their questions and, and uh, answering those. We're actually um, right now, today, as a matter of fact, putting equipment in place that's going to let us uh, light up the fiber. And um, my personal goal, as I've stated publicly a number of times, is to have have the first fiber to the business and fiber to the home customers on by the uh, uh, one-year anniversary of the referendum passing. So that would be November 2nd this year. Ah, that's quite the timetable. Um, what's mm -hmm. the uh, what's the larger plan in terms of uh, how many people will have access? Well, yeah, initially, you know, what we've got, the situation we have right now, because um, our telecom fund is a separate enterprise fund, so there's no cross-subsidization going on here. So the telecom uh, has got to live and, and die uh, on its own funds. Um, so right now what we're able to do is do this on a revenue generation basis as we collect more revenue. We're already a profitable fund because we've been leasing dark fiber since before 2005, and, and those leases were able to stand even with uh, SB 152 going in place. They were grandfathered. In. Mm -hmm. So the telecom fund is already a profitable fund. So the more we sell, the more we'll be able to build. Right now today, I have 1,280 of the 3,600 businesses in Longmont within 500 feet or less of the fiber. So getting it built out to them is, is relatively inexpensive and will be made up very quickly in the savings that they would get from um, uh, our rates over the rates that they have to pay today. As that money comes in, we'll build more. Um, in terms of residential, we've got about 35% of our fiber is aerial, and so anything that's passing down the alleyways through the backyards uh, of the homes and the homes that are connected uh, to power uh, in an aerial fashion and the fibers there, very straightforward to get those folks on. We also have about 1,280 homes that already have conduit uh, through their backyards, and so pulling fiber through there and then doing the uh, you know last 50 feet, 75 feet to the house is also relatively inexpensive. So that's how we're going to start. We're looking at, because we are the power company, we're looking at some grants around smart grid and, and AMI and those sorts of things that would support building fiber out um, for that particular use. And then, of course, we would have it uh, to the homes and, and be able to add the broadband services as well. So we're exploring those things as well. But right now what this is is a, a build as we sell and, and deploy um, strategy. And so we're just going to keep adding businesses and residents, and that money comes in. We're going to build more unless we can figure out a way to get you know, a big chunk of money in here. Um, to build the whole city all at one time. And uh, will you be offering services, and which ones? Well, yeah, that's a yes, we will, and uh, that's an interesting question. So, uh, with our public information process, and we've been running a survey now for a couple of months as well. You know, we've talked to folks about the fact that w there's a number of different things we could do. W we don't necessarily want to build a head end um, and do this big video 
um, play because what we've discovered from talking with a number of communities who have done this is that is the most expensive element of providing service and has the least profit margin in it. Right, and so just for, for people who aren't familiar, the head end is where the, the cable signals get processed for the television. Right. Yep, exactly. So what we've been doing is we've been going out and looking at all the different ways you can get voice services today. So all the different VoIP providers like Avonage and the Magic Jack, and you know, I can list about 20 right now, and then all the over-the-top um, uh, services and technology that are out there like Roku and, and Hulu and Netflix and all those. And what we've been doing is, is – um, learning all about these things ourselves and then putting them up on our website so that our customers will have only one place to go to find these variety of services that they can just go get with an inexpensive broadband connection. And we've been talking to the community about this now for a couple of months, and that's really being well accepted to what we're talking about. Um, I can go out and create, you know, a relationship with a VoIP provider. And, in fact, I even know of a couple of different video providers out there, one in Colorado Springs and one just to the north of us in Mead, um, Colorado, where we could get them access to our pipe and let them provide service over it as well. Or we white label it as, as Longmont because we will be the ISP and we will be the service provider mm -hmm. and, and get services to the community that way. So we're exploring all these different options, but right now what we're talking about is, is getting you the very best, you know, inexpensive connection, 50 megabytes, 100 megabytes to your house, and, you know, for what you're, what you're paying for five today right. you know, from Comcast, right? And then showing you all the different ways you could get your voice, you could get your video, and put that power in your hands and let you go and do that. And we're going to see how that is accepted by the community. If they want us to provide the voice in the video, then we'll figure out ways to do that. Well, it's, it's great to see the community input. Uh, it certainly is a different picture than that that was painted with $400,000 of Comcast money. I think the, yeah. was it the no-blank check because you were immediately yeah. going to go out and bond for all kinds of money? Yep, raise um, taxes, bonds, all this. Yeah, you remember that campaign. That's yeah, exactly well, it sounds what like, they were telling them. It sounds like they didn't quite uh, – they had a broken crystal ball, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's terrific. It's, and then, can you talk at all about uh, interest from other communities? Are they uh, in nearby looking at you and trying to figure out what they can do to to capitalize on some of your lessons? Oh yeah. Well, e even beyond that, um, we're our school district is um, utilizing our fiber and has been for years now. They they were uh, grandfathered into this thing, so we have a gigabit connection. Um, between the schools in uh, Longmont. That connection was extended to surrounding communities by a um, wholesale service provider that we actually work with as well. And so we actually touch uh, Lyons, Mead, um, Erie, and Niwot. And all those communities are talking to us now and saying, well, okay, we already go back to Longmont on your fiber when you're able to light this up and provide these services, what might we do, you know, extending into these communities? So we're having those kinds of conversations, and then I'm also working with the surrounding communities about how they would go about, you know, um, overturning SB 152, because before they could do anything, they have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I've been telling them, 
you know, they were, there was like three of them that were going to put it on the ballot um, this year. And I said, you know, don't bother you because you're just going to waste time and money. You, you need to spend the year educating your community about what it means, what you might do, how you might go about doing it. So when you put it on the ballot issue and that onslaught comes after you, um, you know, you might have a chance of passing it. The other thing I've been encouraging them to do, and I don't really want to give my strategy away here, but um, I'd love to see a number of them all do it in the same year. Because mm-hmm. then the other guys have got to figure out which battles they're going to fight and which ones they're going to pass on. Iowa had a number of referendums one year, and a lot of uh, the communities passed it. And you know, some took action on it, and some didn't. But the important thing is, is they can make up their own minds now. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and that's all you know. I think that's all any community is asking for. That's all they need, and then they can go through the process of doing their homework and looking at what makes sense. Right. Well, is there anything else we should know about Longmont? Well, um, you're going to have a very high-speed, low-cost broadband available here uh, by the end of this year. Starting next year, it's a beautiful community. Um, we have a lot of fun here. So, you know, got the Rocky Mountains to the west and the plains to the east. Um, I think we're going to be growing like uh, like crazy now. Um, especially on the economic uh, development side with businesses because of what we're going to be able to provide them. So come on out and take a look. Who knows? You might fall in love. (laughs) Sounds good. I think uh, um, it's a dangerous proposition because I've been through that area (laughs) and it really is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) And now I can get you 100 megabits to your house. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, We've really uh, appreciated having you. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. I uh, enjoyed it. And thank you, too, uh, so much for the work that you do. Um, We've utilized it a lot over the years and uh, will continue to do so. Really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. That was Vince Jordan, Telecom Manager at Longmont Power and Communications. I'm sure he'll be back on this show in the future as the project progresses. To learn more, visit our show page on muninetworks.org, where we have links to some of the materials discussed today. If you have any questions or comments, please tell us directly. Email podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on August 28, 2012. Thanks to my colleague Lisa Gonzalez for putting the show together and Fit in the Conniptions for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Storms Over.